Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to see you. Thank you for being here this weekend. Appreciate it very much. I'm going to say it right up front. I have a little bit of laryngitis, and so I have about two octaves lower voice right now than normal. But if you're a guest, I always sound like this. Um, but it's, I just really appreciate you being here. Hopefully the voice won't get in the way of this, this talk that I believe God has for us right now. Um, if you're a guest, I, you need to know Northridge Church, we're one church in four locations, and we are committed to a 16-word mission. I mean, it's really, these 16 words defines everything that we are about as a church ministry. We are here to wake the world up to Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the whole deal. Of course, before we can wake the world up to Jesus, we have to be awake to Jesus ourselves, right? And so it's about being awake to Jesus, staying awake to Jesus, and, and then waking the world up to Jesus because in him is all the hope. And if we're going to wake the world up to Jesus, there are some things that have to come with it. We have to show them his love. In this world that is so filled with hatred and all kinds of darkness, I mean, if we're going to really wake them up to Jesus, there's no way to do it unless we show them his love. And if we're going to wake them up to Jesus, then along with showing them his love, true compassion, true grace, we have to also tell them his truth. And this is very often the, the tension point with our world because in a world that has rejected God's truth, even when you communicate that truth in unbelievable love, it still creates dissonance and tension and conflict. But we can't avoid the conflict if we're going to ultimately help wake them up to Jesus. Jesus, the truth, can set people free. And then once we show them as love and tell them as truth, waking up to Jesus, then we also get to do one of the greatest things that we can do on this planet. We can involve them. Because see, we're in a world where we literally separate ourselves from people and isolate from people and we kind of take for ourselves and keep other people on the sideline. But, but God wants us all to be in the game. I mean, everyone gets to be involved. We all get to be his children. We all get to be, you know, a part of his kingdom. We all get to be a part of his favor. This isn't about us and them. This is about us. And it's a beautiful thing. And so that's what we're about. Wake the world up to Jesus. Show them his love. Tell them his truth and, and involve them. And it was really weird after the Psalm series got going. I was really trying to contemplate. It was such an important series for me, World War Me. And if you didn't experience it, go online, would you? Go to northridgechurch.com. We give them away. It's a series on psalms. I think it'll impact your life. But I was thinking, where does God want us to go for the Christmas season? And I, it just kept coming to me. Your mission, your 16-word mission, is what I was doing at Christmas on that very first Christmas. When you look at the characters' lives that experienced the very first Christmas, what was happening were those 16 words then. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, it's so encouraging to me. It's so empowering to me as a believer today in the 21st century to know that, that we are still part of what God was doing in this world on that very first Christmas. And I think one of the problems with Christianity today is many people think that, you know, what people experienced back in Jesus' day is different than what we're experiencing. This thing that we're doing in the 21st century is so different than what they we're doing. It's not. It's the exact same thing. The living God then is still the living God. The God at work then is still the God at work now. And what they needed to wake up to, and they were in a world of unbelievable darkness. They, they really were. They were in a world very much like ours, where 
this conflict reigned and war reigned and, and people were misusing power and misusing their wealth and it was just a tragic thing. Even religion had grown dark. And when Jesus came into that world, what he was doing was he was, he was reawakening the world to God's love, to God's truth, and to the fact that they could be involved in that. And so that's what this whole Christmas series is going to be about, 16-word Christmas. Um, and I have to tell you, Christmas is a lot of things, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I happen to love Christmas. It's like one of my favorite times of the year. I think I fell in love with Christmas because it was the time of year when my parents gave me gifts. And who doesn't like a holiday where it's all about you, right? <clears throat> and uh, but Christmas was, it's just, it's a holiday. We experience it as a holiday, which means, wow, Christmas is cool because we get time off generally, right? I mean, we get to be with family and that's a neat thing. This last Thanksgiving was the very first Thanksgiving that Roxanne and I um, hadn't had our family with us. It's a really weird deal. I mean, here we've been married 38 years and had these kids in our lives for 35 of those years and, and all of a sudden now they're all married and it was the in-laws turn to have our kids with them on Thanksgiving, which can I just tell you, it really sucks. Uh, <clears throat> this whole idea of sharing, right? Um, we're glad that they married into families that were great, but great families also like to get together too, right? And so you have to share, but here's the good news. Um, we get them for Christmas. So I'm not gonna feel at all bad for their, you know, the in-laws in that thing. Uh, I'll call them and go, nah, 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 nah that kind of thing. But <clears throat> um, so Roxanne and I were uh, alone for, for Thanksgiving, which was terrific. It was relaxing, it was awesome. We didn't have to cook one thing. Uh, we didn't have to wash one dish. We went out to eat, it was great. But um, Christmas is awesome because it's family. You get to be with the people you love very often. I know it's also conflict and dissonance because not all of our families are functional and healthy, but Christmas is also uh, expensive. Speaking of, why, you know, I can't wait till next year when my kids are with their in-laws. I'm not going to buy them anything. It won't be expensive at all. But, I, you know, I mean, the way we give gifts and all that different stuff, it can be really, really expensive. Oh, for the days that we could, you know, put a piece of coal in the stocking and it'd be done. But uh, Christmas is fun. I mean, it's a blast, really. And then Christmas is food. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. How many of you have a special food that you have at Christmas that it wouldn't be Christmas if you didn't have that food? Raise your hand. Yeah. The rest of you need to start celebrating the holiday. I mean, it's like, uh, for us, it's, it's not so much the main meals, it's the desserts for us. And I don't know about, <clears throat> my wife makes Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh my gosh, they're awesome. And and shame on me as a Wolverine fan, but they, we eat Buckeyes, and those are phenomenal if you've never had those, and that kind of thing. But <clears throat> Christmas is all these things, and I have so many cherished memories of Christmas. But I think too often we lose what Christmas really is in these things. Because you probably sitting here, I mean, how long, it's, you know, you don't even, you can't even talk, and you're wasting time talking about all these things Christmas is. It's because we've lost Christmas in these things. And that's not what Christmas is. Here's the truth I want you to see this first weekend. Christmas is our God-given opportunity to wake up spiritually. That's what Christmas is. If you don't think Christmas was the great wake-up call from God, you don't, I mean, come on, a virgin 
gave birth to the creator of this world, God's son, Jesus. I mean, angels shouted it. It was, Christmas was a great wake-up call. And Christmas, year after year after year, from the first until now, is still the same thing. It's this beautiful, loving God giving us another opportunity to wake up spiritually, to wake up to who we were created to be, to wake up to who he is, to wake up to the life that we can have, the life of fullness that Jesus came to give us. Christmas is our God-given opportunity to wake up spiritually. Too many of us find ourselves where those in Romans 13 did. Look at verses 11 and 12. It says, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. You're asleep. And it's time to wake up because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Let's start, stop living these futile, vain lives and let us put on the armor of light. Let's be awake. This is the habit of humans, whether we know Jesus or not. It's to be asleep spiritually. And if we're asleep spiritually, we're literally dead because apart from God, we have no life, no fullness. And so this Christmas is just another opportunity for us to wake up. Look at John 12, 46. I've come into the world, Jesus said, as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. What do we do in the darkness? We sleep. What do we do in the brilliance of the light? We're awake. What did Jesus come to do? To wake us up so that we're no longer lost in darkness, so we're no longer blinded by darkness, so we're no longer in the despair of darkness, but so that we're awake in the light spiritually. And what I want to do this, this weekend, for those of you in Plymouth, for those of you at our Northridge Saline campus, Northridge Grosseal campus, Northridge Brighton campus, for all of you watching online, what, what I want to do is I want to give you examples from the very first Christmas of how these people woke up spiritually, how they took advantage of the opportunity of that first Christmas, okay? The first one is, is Zechariah. Zechariah, he happens to be the father of John the Baptist. And, you know, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, couldn't have any children. He was a priest in the household of God, and they were older. And God showed up, and said, you guys are going to have a baby, not a virgin-born baby, but I'm going to literally allow you to have a baby like Abraham and Sarah did, even though you're older. And here's why you're going to have this baby. John is going to be the one who announces that my promise has come true now, that, that what I've been promising about sending a Savior is happening now, that what I've told you about Forgiveness of sins is going to take place now. You know all those lambs that you killed without blemish? He says, they were all foreshadowing the promise that God would send the perfect lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And John is going to announce to the world that he has come. And so this is what's happened. And so look at Luke chapter one, just a couple of verses starting in 67. It says, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He's fulfilling his promise. He's raised up a horn of salvation. That means he's raised up a mighty savior for us. He, he, he's come, verse 77, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. 
He's come to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. He's come to wake them up. And here's what I want you to see about Zechariah. Zechariah woke up to God's amazing gift. Zechariah woke up to God's amazing gift. And his gift, as he communicates it in the passage I just read, I'll just give you the threefold view of it. He woke up to God's amazing gift of salvation. He says, you've, you've, sent, you've sent the mighty Savior to redeem your people. That which has been promised since the day Adam and Eve sinned has now come true. The gift of salvation. You know, the gift of being going from lost to found, the gift from going from broken to whole, the gift from going from hurting to healed. Look at Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. What's the story of Christmas? It's the, it's the story of the good news. God so loved the world, he sent his son. And I, I just, it's so sad to me that so many celebrate Christmas and so few have woken up to the amazing gift of Christmas. Billions on this planet celebrate Christmas and yet they've not yet experienced salvation. And, and let's just not talk about the world, let's talk about here. I mean, this, this weekend and next weekend, um, we're involved in the glory of Christmas. Literally sold out. 30,000 people coming to the glory of Christmas to hear about Jesus, which is awesome. And it is awesome. Some of you aren't clapping because you couldn't get a seat. I get it. That's, uh, but, but here's the thing. A great number of those 30,000 people are here celebrating Christmas, but they've never experienced salvation. How sad is that? In fact, that's the only reason we do the glory of Christmas. We don't do it so we can compete with the fox. We do it so we can share Jesus' hope and light with the world. This is... We want to wake the world up to the gift of salvation, but you know what's really sad? Many of us who are involved in a church putting on the glory of Christmas can still be asleep to this issue of salvation. I mean, it's just sad. Celebrate every aspect of it, but not experience it. And I just want to encourage you. This is what Christmas is about. How can we sit in front of a Christmas tree and miss the gift of salvation? We have to wake up to it. How can, we, how can we sit in despair in a world at Christmas time when what we're celebrating is the loss of despair and the gift of salvation? It's like, it should change our entire focus. Why in the world would we be miserable, in spite of the messed up world we're in, if we have this gift? Sometimes I'm ticked off when I don't get what I asked for for Christmas. Any of you? Oh, let it be an iPhone 10. Oh, let it be an iPhone 10. You know, that kind of thing. And, but here's, here's the thing. If we get nothing for the rest of our lives at Christmas time, we've gotten the only Christmas gift that ever matters, Jesus Christ and his salvation. We need to wake up to it and remember it. <clears throat> Zechariah woke up to God's amazing gift, not just of salvation, but what comes with salvation, of forgiveness. He even said it, that you're going to redeem your people from their sins. You're going you're to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. <clears throat> I think the reason so many people don't experience salvation is because so many people haven't yet had the experience of really waking up to the darkness and guilt and shame of their own sin. A lot of people think that they can, you know, do enough to make up for their stuff. The, the one gift God gave me <clears throat> was that I was so messed up 
that there was no doubting I needed forgiveness. I've met a lot of religious people who like, you know, they're telling me how good they are. I said, how can you say it with a straight face? But they mean it. But until we wake up to our sin and our need for forgiveness, we'll never experience the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, because this is what Christmas is. The reason Christmas is so special to me is because without Christmas, I'd be lost in my guilt. I'd be lost in my shame. I'd be carrying my own sin. If, if there was no Christmas, my failures would be final because that's all I would be as a failure. But you know, because of Christmas, and I want to remind you of this, because of Christmas, we can experience forgiveness. And once we experience forgiveness, now this is so important, we're no longer defined by failure. We're defined by forgiveness, by grace, by life. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we need to wake up again to forgiveness and realize I'm not a failure. I'm forgiven. A child of God, this is a great gift. We need to wake up to it. It'll redefine us. Forgiveness is meaning that every source of our trouble in this world is removed. Do you realize all of our division and all of our conflict and all of our anxiety and all of our hatred, it comes from the bad choices that we all make, but do you realize that God can forgive us and bring healing to any relationship and to any life? <clears throat> Zechariah woke up to this amazing gift. Oh, and by the way, John 1, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a great gift. And the last part of the amazing gift that Zechariah talks about is the light, the light. You know, Christmas took us from hopeless to hope, from purposelessness to purpose, from directionless to direction. Jesus, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light. Jesus is light. I, too many of us keep getting lost in the darkness of this world. Christmas should remind us, no matter how dark this world is, Jesus' light is brighter. And if Jesus' light is in me, no darkness consume me. And I, listen, Christian, this is an important thing. If you're not yet a believer, I get it. But if you're a believer, you should not allow the darkness of this world to overwhelm you. You shouldn't allow it to trap you. You shouldn't allow it to imprison you. You shouldn't allow it to put you in bondage. You shouldn't allow it to cause you to despair. Christmas tells us that the light has come and the light will win and let it win in you. This is what Christmas is about. We need to wake up to the light, right? Wake up to the light. <clears throat> when people are talking to you about the news, oh, isn't it awful? Isn't the world dark? Oh, it's dark. Yes, it is. But isn't Jesus bright and brilliant? And isn't his light shining today? That's where believers need to be. Christmas, let's stop living in the despair of darkness. Christmas has happened. Let's wake up. Let's wake up to the beauty of this amazing gift of light. Then there's another character in the Bible. <clears throat> Remember, it's all about waking up, waking up spiritually. Mary. Mary is one of the most profoundly impacting characters in the Bible. Here she was, just a young, young girl. I mean, it could have been as young as 12 or 13 years old. Crazy thing. Just this young girl. And she's... She's then given the favor of becoming the mother of Jesus. And with this favor, though, comes all kinds of darkness. Family rejection, pain, people thinking that she was a sinner and all those different things. Because I don't know if you know this. 
But generally, girls don't have babies without having, you know, messed up, right? And, and no one would have believed her. And yet, God woke her up to his amazing grace. This, this young girl who profoundly was used by God to impact the world. And I just look at part of her song in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 50. Mary woke up to God's amazing grace. And Mary said, <clears throat> My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been, get her words, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I love that because she's saying, the same mercy I've received is for everyone from generation to generation. But what did Mary experience? What, what was the amazing grace that she sang about here? What did she wake up to here? here here's, I just looked at it from my own standpoint. First thing she's saying is she's going, you know what? God cares about me. This little 13-year-old girl that probably experienced more rejection than you can imagine, more pain than you can imagine. I mean, she experienced such darkness in this world. Like any little 13-year-old of any time, feeling like, you know, they're not a part of the real world, that they're ignored, they're <clears throat> not important enough to be recognized. And all of a sudden, God comes down and says, Mary, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. I've noticed, I know what you're doing. And so God cares about me, she says. God cares about me that he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I want you to know something. I know there's a lot of loneliness that happens at Christmas. I know there is. I know there's a lot of junk that happens at Christmas. But you need to let Christmas wake you up once again to God's amazing grace that it doesn't matter if no one cares about you, God does. That's the story of Christmas. Not one of us should sit in front of a Christmas tree this year. Not one of us should be a part of a Christmas celebration this year feeling like we don't matter. Because Christmas is the story where God once and for all proved we matter. God cares about me. That, she woke up to it. I, I matter to God. <clears throat> she, she woke up to God's amazing grace that God knew her circumstances. God knows my circumstances. He's mindful of my humble estate. He's seen me in my circumstances. And I bet you there were times that she felt lost to that, but Christmas, this, this idea of Christmas, she woke up, God knows what's happening in my life. And I just want you to know the same thing is true of you. God knows what's happening. I mean, sometimes I pray as if I'm informing God, right? God, I don't know if you know what's going on here, but you know, John sucks, you know, and this person over here is doing this. And if you just take him out, that'd be awesome. And I'm, I'm like giving him a report. And he's looking down and going, I know. And I want you to know the same is true of you. God knows your circumstances. God knows. You know what he's waiting for? You to trust him in your circumstances. Christmas reminds us that, that God's amazing grace is complete. He, he cares about us. He knows all about us. And another thing she said in this passage, <clears throat> She basically said, God makes my life significant. I don't know if you really got it. He goes, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of 
the humble estate of a servant. He cares about me. He knows my circumstances. But look at this. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty, mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He is, he's the one that's made my life significant. This little girl lost in a world where little girls didn't matter all that much. She says, he's made me significant. Look at the great things he's done for me. And I think we live in a world where most of us are struggling for a sense of our own significance. We feel like we don't matter all that much, like we're invisible in this world. We're, I mean, <clears throat> from teenagers to senior citizens, we're, we do the craziest of things to try and get people to notice us and to care about us and to think we're somebody. But I want you to know, Christmas is the story where God's already done that for us. We no longer have to do stupid things. We don't have to lie about the size of fish we caught. We don't have to compromise ourselves morally. And we don't have to, we don't have to climb over the backs of other people to get ahead of them so that we're somebody. All we have to do is once again turn to the amazing grace of Jesus and, and know we're significant. The one who has the power to speak this universe into existence, the one who has the power to create life from nothing, thought us so significant that he left heaven and came to earth so that he could be our redeemer and die on a cross for us. The creator of this world was laid in an animal trough, a manger, out of love for us. I'm telling you, Christmas is the time we need to wake up like Mary did to God's amazing grace. He cares about me. He knows my circumstances and he makes my life significant. Now that's a gift this Christmas, right? Talk about a Christmas gift. And then there are the shepherds. <clears throat> the shepherds, uh, the way I see it, the shepherds woke up to God's amazing plan and this is pretty interesting. You know, they were just, they were just out in the field watching sheep. And I, I, I've had the privilege as some of you from Northridge have been able to go with us to the Middle East as well, to Israel. And, Shepherding hasn't changed at all for these many thousands of years. These little kids are still sent out by their parents to watch sheep. It couldn't be more boring. I've seen them out there. It's like there is nothing to do. You know what I mean? It's like, it's boring. Boring. I mean, throw rocks, you know? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And it would be easy to sit as a young person watching these sheep and think that God had nothing for you. The truth is, isn't it easy for all of us in whatever circumstances of our lives to, to think that God really doesn't have anything for me? Look at all he's doing in other people's lives. Look at all they get to experience, but he has no plans for me. And because we think that, we, we miss out on the whole thing. But the shepherds woke up to the fact that God had an amazing plan for them just as he does for us. Look at Luke 2. It's just such a great story, verses 8 through 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, you know, throwing rocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. All of a sudden, God showed up. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you not just to somebody's, to you, because you are somebody's in God's eyes. This one that's been born, he is the Christ, Christ the Lord. 
the Messiah. So look what it says. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know what I see in there? Them waking up to God's amazing plan. You know, they, here's the first thing I thought. God revealed himself to them. God revealed himself. Angels showed up and said, hey, guess what? I'm not going to Caesar, and I'm not going to the high priest, and I'm not going to the rich guy, and I'm not even going to your daddy. I'm coming to you to tell you first, little shepherd, the Savior's been born. And I'm going to tell you, God doesn't want to reveal himself to just the important people in our world, so-called. He wants to reveal himself to each and every one of us. And what the shepherds woke up to was the fact that even little shepherds who no one cares about in their culture matter to God. He revealed himself to them. And they, it's like they woke up. God has a plan for me. God cares about me. God notices me, just like with Mary. And, and I tell you, it reminds me so much of what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And see, what was he doing? He was revealing God to us. Why did Jesus come and walk on this planet so that we could see the Father in and through him? This is what Christmas is about. God's revealing himself to us. What an amazing plan. He wants us to know him. And then God showed him the way. God showed him the way. Hey, you want to find this baby? No one else knows. No one else knows. Just go, you'll find him. God showed them the way to the Savior. Well, guess what? This is what Christmas is all about because didn't Jesus say, I am the way? Of course he is. He's the way. God's showing us the way. Christmas is about us knowing the way. I know so many believers who feel like they're lost. Look to Jesus again. He's the way. He's right there. And know this, he's got a plan for you. What I love about this story about the shepherds was that God used them to spread the good news. God used them to spread the good news. They were the ones that... They were the ones that got to tell the world about Jesus. Hey, the Messiah is born, the Messiah is born, the Messiah is born. I, I don't know, I, I'd be jealous of them except for one thing. He's given me the same privilege. And you, did you know that we exist on this planet, Jesus said it, to be his witnesses, to be the ones that God has revealed himself to? If you know that Jesus of Christmas, you've seen him to be the ones that have been shown the way, the way to Jesus, the way to salvation. And what's our privilege today? The same as the shepherds. Now we get to tell the world where they can find the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. They woke up to God's amazing plan. They were a part of it. And so are we. And so here's the application I want to give you. If we're going to genuinely celebrate and experience Christmas this year, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about the trees and the lights and the presents. That's all great. But if we're going to genuinely celebrate and experience Christmas, we have to wake up. We have to, we have to wake up. We have to wake up to God's amazing gift. Christmas is about salvation. Christmas is about forgiveness. Christmas is about light and no more darkness. John 1:12, to all who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, God gives them the right to become children of God. 
What an amazing gift. I get to be a child of the king. You can be a child of the king. And if you're a child of the king, what do you have to moan and groan about? Think about this last week. How much whining did you do? If you were really celebrating Christmas, instead of whining, you would have said, you know what, this world is horrific, but that's okay. I'm a child of the king. I mean, the gift of salvation is ours. What an amazing gift. We, if we're going to genuinely celebrate and experience Christmas, we need to wake up to God's amazing grace, to his amazing grace. Stop feeling like you don't matter in this world. Stop feeling like you're not significant. Stop feeling like you're a nobody in this world. He cares about you. He knows your circumstances. He wants you to live a significant life. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's grace, wake up to his grace. In view of it, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't live like those lost in darkness, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to wake up to God's amazing grace. If we're going to genuinely celebrate and experience Christmas this year, we need to wake up to God's amazing plan. I know we keep wondering where God is, but here's the fact. God keeps wanting to reveal himself to us. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. We're playing hide and seek with him. And where do you start looking? Jesus said it. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let's wake up to his plan. He's shown us the way. And he wants to use us to make a difference in this world. I, I, I don't know if you, I believe that we are more like the shepherds than most of us have ever realized. Because God revealed himself to them, showed them the way, and then used them to spread the news about the Savior of the world. And did you know that's exactly what God wants to do with each and every one of us? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 20. If anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. Everything changes. The old's gone, the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He made us one with Christ again. He allowed us to have a relationship with Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation to help others have a relationship with Christ. Here's what God was doing. Reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, just like the shepherds in their day, so we and ours. We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know what Christmas is? It's an amazing gift. Have you received it? I mean, salvation, forgiveness, that's what defines you? Not the old, but the new? You know what Christmas is? It's amazing grace. You matter. I matter. We matter. We matter to God. And that's all that matters in the end. Our lives are significant. He cares about us. He died for us. He rose for us. We matter. What an amazing grace. You know what Christmas is? Christmas is an amazing plan. God had a plan to save us, to redeem us, to reveal himself to us, to show us the way. But then not to end there. Then to use us to reveal him to others and to show the way to others. That's the amazing plan. How sad that so many of us celebrate Christmas, but we haven't woken up to the amazing plan. That we get to show people the way to the Savior. That we get to show people the God who's revealed himself. 
And that's what I love about Northridge Church. We're not perfect people, none of us. We're not a perfect church, far from it. Not all of us are involved in it as, at the same levels of others. That's true and that's okay, that's life. But Northridge Church is a place that remembers why it exists. We don't exist to build buildings. We don't exist to have programs. We don't exist to, to have a country club. We exist for one reason, to wake the world up to Jesus. Because Jesus came to give a gift to the world and we're here as a part of his plan to fulfill it, to give grace to the world and we're here to share that grace with the world and we get to be a part of the plan and I never want us to forget it. Christmas then is Christmas now. The only question is, who are we in the story? Are we those who woke up to the gift or not? Are we those who woke up to his grace or not? Are we those who have woken up to his plan or not? As on that first Christmas, so this Christmas, the choice is ours. And it's my prayer, every single one of us will make the choice to wake up. So would you bow with me in a word of prayer right now? As we bow in prayer, I just really want to encourage you. I believe that every single person right now, whether you're here in Plymouth or at one of our other regional campuses are watching somewhere around the world. Every person right now has an area where you need to wake up. Some of you need to wake up to God's amazing plan. You, you've been, God's revealed himself to you. You're already followers of Christ. You know the way you've experienced Jesus and salvation. But unlike the shepherds, you're not helping other people find the way and to experience God. You're you haven't woken up to his plan that he wants to use you to help others find him, to, to invite them in, to share your faith. I, I just really encourage you, if you haven't been a part of his plan, commit to that right now. All you have to do right now, while, while we're in this invitation time, just before I pray, just be thinking about who, at the very least, you can invite this Christmas season, even to church, if that's the best you can do. Who you can share your story with, who you can point to Jesus. Some of you right now, wherever you are, I know it's true of all of us at times, you haven't woken up to God's amazing grace. You've been feeling like you don't matter, like you don't count, like you're insignificant, that your life is little. None of that's true. You just need to, once again, wake up to the idea that God cares about you, that you matter to him. That like Mary, he sees your circumstances and you need to trust him with that. And then there are some of you who are here right now or listening. You've not yet woken up to his amazing gift. He came to forgive you of your sin, to save you, to give you a new life. And so as I pray right now, I'm going to encourage each of you based upon your need to pray with me. For those of you who need to accept the gift of salvation, I'm going to encourage you in your heart right now, just say, Jesus, I, I need you to forgive me. I mean, you came from heaven to live on this planet. You died on the cross and rose again so that my sins could be forgiven. And so I confess my sin to you and I acknowledge my need for you and I put my faith in you as my savior. I receive the gift by faith. 
For those of you who are here and you're saying, I just really need to experience his grace, I hope that you'll just reach out to him in your heart and just say, Jesus, I believe that I matter to you. Help me to live as if I matter. Help me like Mary, no matter what the world pushes on me, help me to understand that you love me, that I matter to you, and that you want to use me. And for those of you who need to wake up to God's amazing plan, why not pray something like this? God, you've revealed yourself to me. You've shown me the way to Jesus. Now help me to show other people the way to you. Use me to wake the world up to Jesus. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Wake the world up to Jesus. Show them his love. Tell them his truth and involve them. When you wake up, it's an amazing gift. It's an amazing plan and it's amazing grace. Let's worship together and celebrate right now our God of amazing grace. Tell the storm.